You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai I 103.8. Live from Expo 2020 Dubai. Hi guys, it's Mark Lloyd from Lunch with Lloyd and we had an action-packed show live from Expo 2020. Would you believe we spoke to the creator of Opti the Robot, who is a superstar down here at Expo. His name, Arish Masom. He told us all about the creation of everybody's favourite robots. We spoke with Raw Coffee as well and that, that was very refreshing. Uh, we checked out the Expo pavilions including Kazakhstan, Bahrain and Saudi Arabia with Nada from Wonder with Nada. So there you have it, an action-packed show. Do enjoy the podcast and join us live weekdays from 11 o'clock on Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. Yes, indeed, and welcome back to the show. Great to have your company once again. We are live at the Expo 2020 site, and we're absolutely uh, loving our time here. Get your messages coming in uh, regarding Mauritius. What would be the first thing that you would do if you landed in Mauritius for your vacation? Uh, Right now, um, we've got a very special guest joining us on the show. If you've been to Expo already, uh, you'll have seen quite a few robots whizzing around uh, the entire site, and one of them is called Opti. Uh, the company behind this little guy is Terminus. And joining me right now on the show is the general manager, uh, Arash Arash Maison. Um Arash, uh, a very good morning to you. How are you? Good, thank you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure, sir. So, first of all, tell me where the idea came for our little Opti. I mean, I've had my photograph taken with him a few times, and he'll actually stop and chat with people. He does. The idea for Opti came out from a conversation. It was between our CEO and the leadership of Expo. And they were sitting after we had joined as the premium partner. Yeah. They said, let's do something quite outrageous. Let's do something that has not been done before. And so Expo came up with the idea, we have a few mascots. Could you make any of them into robots? And our CEO looked at the mascot. He's like, well, the flying one is going to be quite difficult. But that Opti, we can do something with Opti. And so we then went on a path of making Opti from 3D drawings and 2D, basically, uh, animations into a a robot, a real robot that can answer questions, it can strike poses, it listens to people, it is AI-enabled, and it also roams around autonomously like you've seen it do. It, it's, it's a lovely little fella, I have to say. It's one of the, uh, the coolest things here at uh, Expo. There's no two ways about that. Um, so what's his main role? What, you know, what's his job? Opti's job is quite fun. So Opti is a six-year-old boy. And That's what a bit young does, to be alone around Expo. <laughs> well, yeah, he has 49 friends at all times. Don't worry. So Opti is basically meant to be an introduction to robotics for the younger generation. Mm. So this is, for us, we believe, the mega event expo that we are part of is going to be the first time that people interact in a very normal and casual manner with a robot. And so all of the old thinking behind robots that we saw on television or in the movies you know we're dispelling all of that robots are task-based they are very intelligent for that task and that's why we have a few different types of robots 
that do different things on the site. Obviously, the most famous one is Opti because it is fun, it's interactive. Children can press down on the button, which is on the head, and it strikes poses, it has emojis, yeah. uh, different types of emojis. We're actually doing a Halloween emoji for him. <laughs> uh, we're going to do like little festival types of emojis for the, for the expo user. But really, it's, the job is, this is a robot, this is what interacting with it is like, and, you know, have your fun with it. So, what, well, I know we've got a bit of a clip, right? We've got a clip of Opti and um, about what he says. What kind of things have you inputted into Opti that you knew he would need to say? This was a long list that Expo gave us. Oh. And basically, it's Expo-centric questions. So, different questions about Expo, but we added a fun element to it, whereby... If somebody asks, so Opti, how old are you? Uh, he'll respond by saying, age doesn't define me. Wow, I, I say that all the time. <laughs> Let's have a little listen to Opti. This is the kind of thing that you can hear when you come down to Expo 2020. I know I am going to be a superstar. <laughs> Let me get my swag on. Let me get my swag on. Taking pictures has been my favorite thing ever since I was born. It's a pleasure to take a picture with someone as cute as myself. So, yeah, he's a six-year-old with an ego. That's what I think. Yeah, he's he's amazing, isn't he? And I, I mean, the one thing that struck me as well is how the kids relate to him. I mean, the children just absolutely love him at Visit Expo. And the response has been phenomenal. We really thought Opti was cute while we were making him, while we were, you know, shipping him across, you know, opening up the boxes, getting him out, attaching the arms. We're like, hey, this looks cute. But we weren't ready for actual kids like swarming around him, mm. wanting to talk to him, wanting to, you know, press down yep. on the button on his, uh, on his head. It really has been a phenomenal response that we are very happy about. And we hope that uh, it develops into something a bit more uh, down the line for the children, a bit more interest mm. in healthy robotics. Mm. And, you know, to actually start accepting robots and robotics being a part of what we do every I know, day. I know that Terminus focuses on AI and robots, but there is that other side where robots are going to overtake the world and take our jobs. But you're doing it in a different way to make smart cities to make it easier for people to live. Tell us a little bit about that. Terminus's main objective is to enhance digitization. So, as you said, make things more smart, more efficient, and also to reduce the need for having humans do things that are really a bit monotonous or dangerous or very repetitive. Mm. There's a lot of things that a human can be taught whereby they can manage a fleet of robots. So making the human a bit more uh, productive by giving them the ability to have things that are tying them down, doing things that are very manual, very like being outside in the hot weather. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be yeah. roboticized, should we say. <laughs> yeah. I love that word. So what else are you working on? I mean, Opti is the star of the show. There's no two ways about that. He's the one that everybody wants to talk about. But what other things have you got going on at the moment? We just uh, 
supplied the Talabat um, app with 10 autonomous robots and what they are using those for on the expo site is to ha have food deliveries done. So instead of a person walking down in the heat, you know, it's a robot. Oh, wow. He wow. swooshes down, makes the delivery. The user can either have a pin code to open up the lid or use a QR code. The lid opens, you take your food and your drink, you close the lid and the robot goes Do off. Do you think these robots somewhere. could take the dogs out for a walk in the heat? That would be quite good, wouldn't but it? Probably could. <laughs> uh, so so what's, the, what's the future, do you think, when it comes to AI and, and uh, robotics? I think the future is what we want it to be. And so this whole talk about robots taking over and robots, it's really unfounded because we teach the robot what to do. We gear them towards what they can and cannot do. And the only things that really they can do is the tasks which are very straightforward. They do it very efficiently, on time, flawlessly. They don't have to go to sleep. They don't have to take time off, check their phone. They don't have to do anything like that. So <laughs> oh my God. Has he got a phone, Oxy? <laughs> it has a GSM How, how chip, do you so. charge him? Is it batteries or charging electricity? So they go by themselves to the charging pile. Wow. They charge up <laughs> when it's at 20 or 15% uh, battery. They just go by themselves, charge up. It takes about two to two and a half hours, and they come right back out. And was he always going to be yellow? Was that his, you know, his designated color? Yes. And it's a special yellow, which took a really long time to actually really? get it done. Yes. The, the work that went into Opti, it's not very easy. You won't see another robot that is in that shape. And we went through a lot to actually have the LiDAR of Opti. Um, you would see it on its belly. There's like a, a round black dome. And that is actually the, the LiDAR. So that is how Opti builds an image of what is around it. Mm. it. It builds a 3D image of where it can and cannot go. And this LiDAR is usually not very good looking. And it, it just gets put into robots and covered uh, by a glass. We had to make it look good because it was going to be a focal part of the robot. So when Expo finishes, when Expo finishes, there's about 50 Optis lurking around. Is he going to retire or can we rent an Opti? What's he going to do with his time? Go on holiday? I'm assuming that Opti would at that point be handed over to the District uh, 2020, yeah. uh, which is going to be the legacy version uh, of uh, Expo. But this is an Expo asset, so they will oh. decide where Opti goes and what he does. Well, I'm sure he'll be the star wherever he goes. He is. He's an absolute superstar. I, at Expo. I have yet to meet him. You've yet to meet him? Yes, I cannot wait. I mean, where can I find him? Just lurking around? Do I call him and he'll come to me? Optis are deployed all over the site. Right. There's 50 of them. Yes. There's six of them in front of the Jubilee Park, and they do an hourly dance, oh. uh, a synchronized dance. Yeah, yeah. So they all get together and do a synchronized dance so for you. So when I finish the show, um, I'm, we're going to have lunch. Can I ask Opti to take me to lunch, or will he not have an answer for that? Uh, Opti will just go to his battery pile if you tell him to <laughs> go for lunch. Well, I'll tell you what, Arash, congratulations on creating uh, what is the superstar of uh, Expo 2020 and, uh, and long may he live. That's all I can say. Thank you very much. And Opti says hello to everyone. A real pleasure to have you uh, joining us uh, on
on the show. That's once again the creator of Opti the Robot. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye, 103.8. Certainly isn't then, uh, Poonam, I think it's time for a coffee. You asked and your dream came true. We actually have coffee with us right now. We do, and not any coffee. We have a real connoisseur when it comes to uh, coffee. Uh, we're joined by Matt Tugard, who's the co-owner and CEO of Raw. It's 100% uh, great coffee. There's no two ways about that. Um, great to have you with us, uh, Matt. How hey, are you? Thanks, Matt. Good. Really, really well. What a wonderful studio. This I know, is fantastic. I know. I, I, I actually sleep here. I don't, <laughs> I don't go home. You know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's such an amazing place to be. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, coffee. Uh, have you had your coffee already this morning? Matt? I've had three or four coffees, oh. actually. You know, How that's, many do you have a day? I usually have two double espressos to start the day, <laughs> then another double espresso about 11, then a filter coffee in the afternoon. Do you yeah, ever sleep? Do you sleep? Yeah, no. It, look, if you drink really high quality coffee, it's yeah. not about the caffeine. It's about the flavour. Oh, so right. if you get, if you, you're a bit selective, you can uh, so drink quite a lot. So cheap coffee will keep you up at night? Yeah, because it's actually a different variety. Ah. So it's, uh, we only use Arabica coffee. Robusta coffee has twice as much caffeine. Um, and it will keep you up, but it doesn't taste so good. So Right. So tell me a bit about the philosophy of Raw. I mean, you've done really well in this region, so tell, tell me about the background of it. Right. So Raw was started by my business partner, Kim, and she really focused on a number of really important things. One is sustainability of coffee. You know, it really was about the people who were growing the coffee. Were they going to be around in 20 years? I mean, we've been going nearly 15 years, and so we're kind of doing something right, but... Um, it's about you can't look at coffee without going all the way back to the farm, making sure that the people who are growing the coffee are being rewarded financially. Yeah. And, you know, um, and we are looking after the ground, the soils, and we're looking after the environment. And especially now with all this global warming, it's becoming more and more difficult to do that. So that's where Raw started. Um, we were focused a lot on organic uh, back in the day. And we've discovered that organic is a little bit of a funny story in the, in the coffee world, a little bit like everything. So it's important for us to go to our providers. So we go to the farms when it's not COVID season. And uh, we actually see and make sure that all the farms that we're buying from are sustainable and also mm. are using organic practices. Uh, and where are these farms? All over the world, specifically a lot in Central and South America, um, all through Africa. Um, yeah. Uh, Kim's actually just gone on a plane today to go down to Tanzania okay. um, and, uh, and you know, a lot from Ethiopia and things, but also now through Asia. So we're buying from uh, Myanmar in okay. the South Shan. Uh, we're also buying from Timor-Leste, East, the old East Timor. Um, so all over the world. One, a little bit to give us some business diversity, should we get mm-hmm. some uh, uh, bad seasons. Mm-hmm. But uh, also the coffees are all different. So you put a seed in different soil, you're going to get different flavours. You know, it's a science, isn't it? It is. It is complete. <laughs> all the tasting and the testing yeah. as well. Because I have been to the testing session at Raw. It was so much fun, and it was it was really really interesting, and um, it made me appreciate coffee in a very different way. But I mean, I think Mark will relate to this. We both grew up drinking tea in England. Yes. There was no coffee culture when I was growing up. The first coffee culture I experienced was in America, mm-hmm. and then here I love hanging out at coffee shops and working. Why do you think? It has grown all over the world, the, the culture itself of coffee. Actually, there's, there's, a, there's one person who probably, um, from, from the UK, who made a huge difference. In fact, a couple of guys. Uh, about 10 or 11 years ago, there was a couple of gentlemen um, who dived very, very deep into coffee. And my very first experience with 
really high quality specialty coffee was in London. And these guys, basically what they did is that they started to approach coffee like a chef. It's an ingredient. How do we modify it? What do we do? And as a coffee roaster, we can manipulate the flavors in the coffee by different roasting. To give you an example, I had the pleasure of having uh, the Jamaican uh, director of tourism visit us this week. He's here for Expo. He came down. Now, Jamaican Blue Mountain Coffee is probably the world's first specialty coffee. It's been around for such a long time. But the way that we treat his coffee is completely different to they do in Jamaica. So I was able to show him his own product in a completely different light. And I really think I opened his eyes as to what can be done. Wow, that's amazing. Now, you are the uh, designated coffee partner for the New Zealand Pavilion, which, of course, is your uh, home country. (laughs) So what kind of coffee are you showcasing there? So we actually uh, focused on a coffee that really would be highlighted by New Zealand's flat white. So we looked at a coffee that would go with milk. And so we've got very, very highest levels of acidity. So when it's added to milk, you get all these beautiful chocolate undertones, which you get in a lot of coffee. But then we're looking at just a, a nice level of fruit, and we want like a honey finish. So we want a sweet, long finish that after you've drunk it, 20 minutes, you're walking around the expo, you go, oh, that coffee was great. <laughs> you're still tasting yeah. it. Yeah. So last night, I had the privilege of going to the New Zealand Pavilion uh, for dinner. So, um, you know, my first, uh, my first country of, of, of dinner, which yeah. I'm hoping is going to be many down here. Yeah. And it was interesting to talk to the team down there. Um, they have had phenomenal feedback. They've done twice as much food and beverage as they anticipated for October. Wow, that's fantastic. You know, well. I want to talk about milk and coffee because the, the tastes have changed. Now you get oat milk, almond milk yep. and all this. One coffee person said to me um, in a shop, he said, this particular almond milk, whatever, takes away the taste of the coffee. What do you think about, we've always had traditional cow's milk before. Yep. What's your take on it with milk? Okay, I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. Please do. We only supply um, uh, oat milk now. We don't supply any of the other milks. And this is because we did a really look into the different milks and whether or not how they were affecting our world. Almond milk is not good for our environment. Um, the bees that are used to uh, pollinate the uh, almonds in California typically, um, when, when they actually come back from the almonds, the honey is no good. It's bitter because it, it, and it doesn't taste any good. The amount of water that's required to make almond milk is just ridiculous. The same thing with soy. Soy is, is doesn't have as good uh, uh, benefit as oats do. So if you need to go away from cow's milk, um, oat milk is the thing that we've noticed is coming through. And now there's a lot more focus on it. The companies are focusing on reducing sugar levels. They're reducing, you know, they're looking at flavors. So it's not every substitute milk uh, is not necessarily the same. Uh, we go through quite an exhaustive process every month of looking at what's available um, in the, on the market and, and, and then, then selecting that. I'll tell you another thing, though. Yeah. If you get the right black coffee, yeah. you won't need milk. Yeah, I've heard this. Really? Yeah, we need to, we need to who go needs, to the... Who needs the milk? Well, I let don't the, know. Let the cow keep it. cows. Yeah, yeah, cows let, need let, milk. let the cow keep it, yeah. <laughs> I'm coming to the New Zealand Pavilion. Uh, and I need to test with yeah. him. Uh, very quickly, um, we're running out of time. We've got to get to the news headlines. So what is the future for uh, Raw? What are your plans as we move forward? Actually, we after COVID, we're now focusing a lot on a few outlets. We've got some exciting announcements next month of, some, of two new outlets that we're going to be opening. Um, which are going to be serving coffee, um, and, and more about uh, a lot more about traceability and being able to see 
exactly where your coffee's come from, just with QR codes actually mm. taking you to the farm. So yeah. that's coming very, very soon. Yeah, and, and your impressions of Expo. I mean, uh, you're here oh. at the Pavilion for, uh, for New Zealand, but yeah. have you managed to explore? Yeah, I, I haven't as a visitor. I've been down here quite a lot uh, as a supplier, and we were down here for the pre-opening uh, season uh, for okay. a couple of months, and that was fantastic. I don't think people realise what Expo's about. Expo is about being able to travel the world in Dubai. And, you know, the, the pavilions are f phenomenal. I've yeah. only been to about half a dozen so far. I've got a lot more. And I think that people need to realize that when you come down here, it's not for a few hours. Come down for a day, you know. And there might be crowds. It might be a little bit hot. But it's actually bearable. It's, you know, it, it, the, the whole place has been designed for a big audience. So... You know, it's going to be brilliant. I can't wait for the rest of the yeah. five months. Go out there, explore, and uh, make sure you get to New Zealand. I've not been yet, so I'm going to go and sample some coffee. And over thank there. you so much for our coffee. Yeah, oh, yeah, we've yeah, got some mobile coffee, coffee for you guys. He brought coffee. <laughs> he, he can come anytime on my show. Can uh, our Matt, Matt Tugard, once again, the co-owner and CEO of Raw. Thanks for being with us on the Absolute show. Absolute pleasure. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. You certainly are, and welcome back to the show, Lunch with Lloyd, through until 2 o'clock. Uh, always a pleasure to have Nada joining us uh, on the show. How are you this week, Nada? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, have you been to Mauritius? No, I haven't. No. no. That would be nice, wouldn't it? It <laughs> would. I definitely would long to, to go yeah. there for a nice vacation. I know. Anyway, uh, but what you have done is been, I think we were at 43 last week. Where are we when it comes to pavilions now? So we were at 46, and today we're at 54. 54. That's not bad going. I don't know anyone else that's gotten anywhere <laughs> near that uh, so far. Um, and uh, you always kind of, you know, bring them to life on air. So let's get started with your first pavilion. Where are you going to take us? So, uh the first pavilion is Kazakhstan. So I've actually always wanted to visit and this pavilion yeah. um, definitely even got me more excited to do so. First of all, I learned that it's actually the ninth largest country in the world, which I did not know. Really? And it's also the largest that's landlocked. So as soon as you get in, you actually first l uh, learn about their Tutankhamun, basically Kazakhstan's Tutankhamun, okay. um, who's also known as the Golden Man. And that's because he wears this parade armor that's got about 4,000 golden plaques and a very, very unique pointed hat. Right. Um, so it was definitely interesting to see and learn about. They've got a great Instagram filter as well, where you can take a picture with him also wearing his pointed hat. Okay. So I did definitely play around with that as well. Um, you can also virtually try on the Kazakh dress uh, or robe for men. So that was also cool. Now, here in Kazakhstan, I discovered that the apple, which is the world's most popular fruit, actually comes from Kazakhstan. Did they, you know that? They invented it, didn't they? Apparently. <laughs> they invented the apple in Kazakhstan. <laughs> yes, and it's called the Sievers apple tree, um, yeah. and its seeds were actually transported through the Great Silk Road, but then also through birds and bears. So it's actually made its way or spread around the world in, from Kazakhstan. Just from one apple seed. Apparently. Well, Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> very cool. Um, it's also very interesting because they also have a lot of natural resources. So out of the 118 elements of the periodic table, Kazakhstan has 99 of them. So, for example, they have the ninth largest gold reserves in the world, and that's used to help make astronaut helmets. Um, so that's apparently something that helps protect their eyes in space. Mm. Um, but the real highlight of their pavilion is a performance that they show about how the digital and physical world can coexist. Um, so basically human intelligence and AI, artificial intelligence, yeah, right? Yeah. So 
where a man basically does what I can only describe as an acrobatic performance with a robot arm. He's just, I mean, flying in the air. <laughs> There's a robot arm that's following him around. It's very, very cool. And I was totally nerding out in there. Yeah. Uh, so I'd highly recommend a visit. That's your kind of thing, that, isn't it? The, it is. The AI thing. Um, just that you mentioned uh, the, the helmets for, uh, for uh, spacemen and mm. uh, astronauts. I, I just must drop in that I did go at the weekend. I uh, came up as a, as a visitor kind of thing. Did go to the US and put my finger on the moon rock. Ooh, it's got, it's nice. got to be done, hasn't it? It does, yes. You have to. Yeah, it, it felt a lot smoother than and I thought it thought it was going to be. But did you see how small it was as well? Yeah. Right. I yeah. thought it might be just a bit yeah, bigger because like we're big talking chunk. about a big, exactly, yeah. rock. Uh, but no, it's a small piece. But yeah, cool to you touch. Put it, put it in your pocket. <laughs> yes. I, tr- I tried, but I thought I better not. <laughs> yes, uh, all right. Idea. So Kazakhstan sounds really, really interesting and well worth a visit. Definitely well worth a visit. I would, I mean, definitely want to now visit it even more in person, actually. Yeah, travel yeah, to the travel country. Travel to the country. Okay. Um, so pavilion number two. So pavilion number two is Bahrain. Oh, Bahrain. I've spent many a happy year in Bahrain. Yes. So I know you used to do some gigs there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So (laughs) their pavilion actually focuses on density and they focus on it because it is a catalyst for opportunity. Now, what do I mean by that? Why density? Well, because apparently the kingdom of Bahrain is apparently the sixth densest country in the world. So it's, I mean packed with people uh, and it's a, it's got a small geography so in terms of architecture you actually go down this ramp that takes you into a room and they've got 126 steel columns in this room so it's like walking through a dense forest of steel yeah which is really cool um, yeah. so it's a very nice um, layout and architecture now they have an exhibition that's actually tied to pearl diving and of course you might know that this was a big big uh, mm. profession that was here in many Gulf countries, but the pearls in Bahrain actually are some of the most beautiful and sought after pearls in the world. Um, For example, worn by Queen Elizabeth herself, which were gifted to her by the ruler of Bahrain when she married Prince Philip in 1947. I did not know that. Yeah, so they were from Bahrain. Yeah, so so very cool. So you see all the equipment that was used back in the day by the divers, and these guys were all male members of the community. So they had the compass, uh, they had the nose clips so that they would be able to... There was no water tanks then, was there? No air air tanks. At all, and so they would actually have to wear those so that they could hold their breath underwater for about two to three minutes. Um, They also have these leather finger protectors uh, to protect them when they're also underwater looking for those shells. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've got a stone that men used to tie to their feet to help them sink deeper and quicker. I mean, these were brave men. They (laughs) were indeed. And then also like a basket to hang around their necks so that they could collect the shells. in. So all of this equipment is there. um, But of course, the industry did slowly um, give way. So to the cultured pearls that are now more uh, common. Uh, And so you actually get to see what the difference is between the regular pearls, the natural ones, and those that have been cultured, which are also genuine, but there's been some human intervention. Sounds like a very interesting pavilion does this Mm -hmm. one. And you learn a lot about the history of, exactly. of you know that that lovely island it, it really is a special place it is and so it felt like very museum-y which it was definitely right up my alley um but they definitely had a lot of cool things in the layout like i said the the steel columns just really breathtaking to see cool so uh, there were kazakhstan and uh, bahrain there we're going to come back uh, with uh, more with nada she's also got a few tips for us if we're heading down here weather getting cooler now and uh, it really is the place to come is expo 2020 you're listening to lunch with lloyd on dubai i 103.8
Yes, indeed. Welcome back into the show. And uh, joining me uh, on a Wednesday, and we love it when she does, is uh, Nada. She's uh, a tour guide here in the UAE and takes people on fantastic tours, not only of Dubai, but Abu Dhabi and Sharjah as well. But she's focusing a lot on Expo. She's already taken us today to Kazakhstan and to Bahrain. And um, from Bahrain, you can just drive across the uh, the bridge there and you'll be in your next country. Exactly, yes. So the next place we're going to is Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's a very impressive uh, looking uh, pavilion from the outside. Indeed it is, yes. And it is huge also in terms is of it? size. Yeah. Uh, so you can't miss it. And apparently it is the second largest um, just after the UAE pavilion. So it's rectangular in shape. It actually looks like it's got a 45 degree kind of um, angle or slope. Yeah. I always think of Ski Dubai when I see it. Yeah, what did I think? I thought it looked like a, almost like a ghetto blaster. Remember the <laughs> yeah. old radio ghetto blaster yeah. type things? Uh, and it's just about to take off. Yeah. And it's intended really... Uh, to symbolize actually their ancient culture and that they're aiming for the sky. So oh, it's got a meaning behind it. Okay. Um, now, the bottom part of that rectangle is actually a screen, um, and that screen lights up differently every night. So they've got these beautiful, colorful patterns. So if you go in the evenings, you'll actually see something really, really spectacular just even looking at the building without going in. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what is really impressive inside? They've got this really uh, long escalator, and it takes you up upwards on a journey that's pitch black, but then on both sides of you, left and right, you're actually seeing these 14 heritage sites that are in Saudi Arabia that have been recreated yeah. um, to represent different regions that you see on your way up. And many of them are palaces, they're fortresses. Um, some of them are actually UNESCO heritage sites. Okay. So it really felt very um, Disney or theme park-like. It was really, really well done. Um, and then on another escalator, they have an art installation of about 2,030 crystals, which are suspended from the ceiling. Uh, so when you look wow. up, it glitters. It's actually really, Amazing. really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, catching kind of the heritage sites of of the country. I mean, it's a vast country. Does it take you to different regions? And it does. It does. And it yeah. talks a lot about some of the new projects that Saudi's been working on. You've probably seen this huge poster for Neom um, mm-hmm. over by Sheikh Zayed Road. Um, so a lot yeah. of those are upcoming, the Red Sea project. So they're kind of informative telling you about what's to come. And those are still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. So soon enough, we'll actually get to be able to visit them. Yeah, I like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of predic- uh, kind of predictions of things uh, in the future at some of these uh, pavilions. One of them is Egypt, where they've got a time machine. And you actually feel like you're on a magic carpet. Oh. And uh, you start back in ancient, ancient Egypt with the, with the pharaohs and, and the pyramids and, uh, and that kind of thing. But then... As you fly on this magic carpet, um, you uh, fly through time, and it projects what the country will be like in 50 years, oh, which wow, is great. Oh, wow, very cool. Yeah. You become an Aladdin for the day. I know, yeah. <laughs> I, I felt a little bit like Aladdin, I can tell you, and I don't like heights either, but uh, anyway, I managed to survive that. Um, so uh, definitely um, a place to go uh, visit is um, uh, Saudi Arabia, for sure. Saudi Arabia, yes. Yeah. So Saudi, Kazakhstan, and Bahrain are definitely really worth visiting. Okay, uh, any tips? Uh, I mean, you're the lady in the know. You coming down here quite regularly um, and people ask you on your website Wonder with Nada uh, about tips uh, down here so uh, what uh, what have you got this week? Indeed I do so um, a few sort of updates that have sort of happened in the last couple of weeks so I have visited the expo more than three times uh, so I got an email uh, from expo directly um, saying that because I visited I can 
now obtain a 100 dirham food and beverage voucher. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that is, it was a nice freebie. And you can use that one time only on your next visit, and it's valid until November 30th. So it's valid in selected outlets, but, I mean, 100 dirhams just to go eat, I will take that any day. Yeah, that, that's a brilliant tip. Um, uh, another one from me is the bi- the bicycles. Um, I, I was kind of just genning up on them because I have a granddaughter who's four or nearly four, and we're thinking, yes, you're too young to come down here and all, all the walking. And, but they've got bicycles where you can put your uh, your child on the, on the the kind of on the back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. And you rent them and just Yeah, you of... just rent the bike. Uh, I think it's 20 dirhams for the day. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and off you go, um, scootling around on a bike. So I'm going to try that. Yeah, and yeah. you know what you should also do? Um, for children particularly, there are so many parks in um, mm. different areas in the in the what i call them the petals right so there's um one that's just right by actually where we are right now uh, so it's nice to take a picnic and then just kind of let the kids run around and play a lot of live performances are happening yeah. and that's actually another update so just i believe this uh weekend uh amra diab is actually going to be there oh wow mm-hmm. wow um nancy ajram is coming also soon okay um, K- k-pop are as well yeah and i uh, noticed that ireland has a river dance competition that they're going to be hosting as well so that'll be exciting yeah we spoke to the people from river dance we also spoke to sammy yusuf as well who uh, performed uh, last week uh, but amir diab a, a huge name but i, I was kind of just checking out the stage uh, the jubilee stage it's mm-hmm. so well equipped it i is. mean it's you know it's concert level there's no two ways about oh, it oh yeah probably even better than the concerts yeah. that we, <laughs> we usually go to in the city um also diwali is coming up uh, so india is going to be hosting a number of dances and performances over by their pavilion so Mm -hmm. that'll be around next week so worth going to check out and of course new year's is going to be probably the most exciting of all events Um, chances are that there are going to be a few surprises in terms of the lineup yeah um and, you know, people will then have to really, really make sure they sign up early if they want to attend. Yeah, well, uh, absolutely amazing, uh, Nada. And uh, I know you've just been in this amazing building uh, that we can see um, out of our windows. You're going to be talking about that next week, aren't you? I am. And, you know, I swear, Mark, walking around my phone, you know, I've just been using it the whole time, obviously, to take photos and just even take notes because that's what I do. Um, so... I've been running low on battery, and I actually didn't carry a charger with me here uh, coming to Expo today. So I actually found out that there are charging devices that you can rent by the hour at the visitor centers. So you don't actually need to leave your phone there. All you do is you take the charger and you wander around with it, and then later you drop it off at any visitor center. Wow. They so thought a, of everything. They have, and it's five dirhams per hour. So it's, I mean, yeah, an hour your phone will be charged up. Exactly. Yeah. You can take as they many photos. They thought of everything. Uh, Nada, thanks so much for being with us, and uh, once again, opening our eyes to some of the fabulous pavilions here at uh, Expo. Always a pleasure.